Hey, everybody. Welcome to the seventh episode of Finding Extraordinary. You said something really interesting there about how people aren't born extraordinary, but they become extraordinary. Yeah. And that's it's completely true. If people saw what it takes to become extraordinary, it's the most mundane of things. Yeah. You know, it's it's these tiny, tiny tasks repeated constantly over time that lead to that. Um, there's no way that you can just be born extraordinary, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like that's empowering, though, because everybody can do tons of these little mundane things. You can get up a little bit earlier in the morning. You can write your goals out. You can start reading. If, if you don't want to read 10 pages a day, you can read one page a day, and then that becomes two pages a day. Like, I think that's the superpower that we all have that um, that that is so important for people to tap into, the fact that every single day you can do something to make yourself better than you were yesterday. Mm-hmm. That's and, huge. And the belief that you can yeah. make yourself yeah. better than you were yesterday. That is William Schufelt. You may recognize William as Brody, the Red Power Ranger on the Nickelodeon TV series Power Rangers Ninja Steel. Now, William grew up in Modesto, California, and went to college to study economics at the University of California, San Diego. Three years of studying economics, William had the self-realization that he was not doing what he loved. He, didn't, he wasn't doing what set the fire in his soul. And he decided that he was going to pursue acting while going to college, while studying and going to class every day. And he made the goal for himself that within one year, he was going to be a star on a network TV series. And you know what? William did it. In this podcast, we talk about how he was able to develop the mindset and the wherewithal to achieve that goal. And he explains that he broke it down into creating a yearly goal, then making the quarterly goals to hit that yearly goal, making monthly goals to hit those quarterly goals, and making daily goals to hit those monthly goals. On top of all this, William has been working out since he was a young kid, and he's always had a love for health and fitness. So in this podcast, this was a first for him and I in many different ways. For him, on the day we, re- we recorded this podcast, he released his first ever authored or co-authored book, The P.E. Diet. The P.E. Diet is all about the protein to energy ratio that happens within your body. And if you are looking to up your game and up your knowledge in health and fitness, Oh, man, you have to read this book. It is so good. Now, for me, this was the first time I ever did a podcast with a live audience, and it was an amazing experience. I want to do a live audience podcast recording every time I I shoot one of these, but uh, this one in particular was uh, an experience I'll never forget. Now, I do not want to make you wait any longer, and without any further ado, on the podcast, here is William Schufelt. Let's go. The truth is, no one is born extraordinary. But 
extraordinary inside of them. It just has to be found. Welcome back to Finding Extraordinary. I am your host, Seth Markson. Each and every episode will deliver an exciting guest or message that will expand your mind and provide insight that will help unlock the secrets to finding your extraordinary. Thank you for spending some time with me. Let's get it started. Make sure that's good. All right. Uh, I am here today with William Schufelt, freaking badass here. Uh, he was just going over the story where he met one of his local heroes uh, at the local gym, which is actually world famous. And yeah. he's the guy that he met is actually world famous. So can you just kind of redo that for me? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so th- this was a day that I will never forget that just happened two days ago, you know. Last thing I ever expected that day. So, um, you know, I- I've got like three major heroes in my life, and it- it's like for different aspects of what I do. So Marlon Brando, I thought he's an incredible actor. Michael Jackson, unbelievable entertainer. And then Arnold Schwarzenegger is just his ability to set a goal and to achieve radical success in like different areas of life. Um, that's something that I've tried to channel so much in my own life. And, and like he changed my life in many ways. Um, so the other two guys are no longer here. And I remember when Prince passed, I was like, damn it, that's another guy I wanted to meet. <laughs> so Arnold is like, he's the last dude who I really, really want to meet. And I've, I've never met him. So the other day, I'm, I'm going to Gold's Gym Venice, the, the mecca, as they call it, to work out. And you've got like this $40 admission fee, and I'm thinking, do I really want to do this? And it's like 4 p.m., it's like crazy busy. And I was like, all right, to hell with it, I'll do it. Um, so I pay it, and I'm walking in there. But before I'd gone in there, I saw this black Escalade outside with a bike on the back of it. And um, it, it was waiting for someone, you know, the driver's in there. So I'm thinking, somebody famous is in there, man. I'm betting it's like Mickey Rourke or like somebody's <laughs> in there working out. And I go in there and I'm training and I'm, I'm kind of like looking around too. And then as I walk past this overhead press machine, like the kind of seated overhead press, the, the Smith, or not Smith machine, it's like a hammer strength thing. Um, I see freaking Arnold on that machine. No and way. He's, he is just pumping away at it. Like he's, <laughs> he's training for his eighth Mr. Olympia. Um, and I just started, I started laughing because I couldn't believe it. I was like, just looking at him and seeing him right there doing his thing, the thing that he's best at. Um, it was a crazy experience. And I started asking myself, like, do I go say hi to him? You know, because I, I don't want to be that guy that's going to bother him in between sets. But I was like, okay, this might be a once in a lifetime thing. I might never see him again. So I walk up. I'm like, hey, Arnold. Um, you know, I've been a big fan for a long time, and, you know, your books and your movies and everything you've done has really changed my life, and I just want to say thank you. And he says, uh, all right, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and I shook his hand, and I, I left, and I was very, very happy. Dude, you know what's funny is that, that this is the second time I've heard this story in literally five minutes. Yeah. And <laughs> it it's, like, funnier the second time, you know, <laughs> like... Wow, just just wow. What a what yeah. an amazing thing to happen, right? That that guy is he's one of those few living legends, you know, that that's still around. Like he created this whole bodybuilding health and fitness movement in our country, like advisor to the President's Council on Health and Fitness. He was on the Johnny Carson Tonight show like when he was in his 20s, publishing books, New York Times bestsellers, governor, 
highest paid actor of his time in the 80s. So he's like one of those rare individuals that has done so much. And you look at him and you're like, wow, like the thing, the stories this guy has, you know, so I've got a lot of respect for him. Yeah, you get him in a room just for like 20 minutes. You know, I bet he'll blow your mind away with all these stories that he has. Yeah, and, and the really cool thing that, that I, I kind of learned from him was um, I read his biography, Total Recall, when I was about 20, and that was when I was going through this like uh, quarter-life crisis where um, I was studying economics for three years, and um, I was kind of headed down this path that I wasn't very satisfied with, and I, I really wanted to pursue acting, and by seeing the way that he approached and tackled goals, how he would write out these uh, these yearly goals on a three-by-five index card, um, how he would break those down into smaller goals, like what he did for consistency and routine in his life, all of those little things. Like, I stole everything I could from him. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely a huge hero of mine. That is so cool that you got to meet him, man. Yeah, so it was cool. fun. It was fun. Um, man, now, now it's got me thinking, like, dude, who would I want to meet? Uh, I mean, we're going to have to... Who would that be for you? Oh, man. Um, I think one right now is Tom Bilyeu, mm. who created Quest Bar. Yes. Not so much for the fact that he created Quest Bar, but for the fact that he wanted to change uh, life for people who, who have metabolic disease, because there mm-hmm. are people who are close to me that I really care for who have metabolic disease. And, you know, um, I would love to i would love to help them change their lives Mm -hmm. but what he did is he fucking made it happen yeah and if you hear his story he did that by just using his own resources and literally making machines to to make the quest bar Mm -hmm. at the time when he was making the quest bar the machines uh needed to be specially made or um there, there just wasn't a machine that could make the bar so he had to make it himself. Yeah. He had to like go find an engineer who was like willing to do it. Yeah. And he did it himself. So, you know, having the will to to put forth and make something happen to uh, for a cause that you truly believe in, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that's like the best thing in people. And he emulates that in everything that that he does. So I would love to like sit down with him and just be like, dude, tell me everything you know. Mm. Share with me everything that you know. Yeah. So that would be one. Um, two, oh, God. There's like 50 different sport coaches I would love to just sit down and mm. like pick their brain. I think Phil Jackson would be would be one of them. Yeah. Um, his his uh, reign with the Chicago Bulls and then the L.A. Lakers mm-hmm. would be just to pick his brain and his and his mindset to see how he not only developed that in himself but then was able to transfer that into every player that ever played for him mm-hmm. and then like make that uh even transfer into whole organizations i think yeah. that's pretty special yeah uh that's two um yeah. do i do i have to do three you're really making me think <laughs> who's, here who's the last one um i don't know if if she's the third but I saw Rachel Hollis speak recently, mm. and before I saw her speak, um, I found out that she was coming up on stage, and I text my girlfriend, and I'm like, hey, uh, this person, Rachel Hollis, is coming up on stage. Um, do you know who she is? And she sends me back, like, 
the huge like thumbs up emoji, high five emoji, big smile emoji. And she's like, oh, my effing God, you're seeing Rachel Hollis. I would kill to see her. And I was like, cool. Who is she? You know, and then she speaks and like lights this place up with mm-hmm. with energy and just, you know, distinct uh, thought after distinct thought and mm-hmm. like total uh, life changing realizations and all this stuff. So I would love to like sit down and talk with her too. So I, I got to be honest, I'm not familiar with who that is. So Rachel Hollis is like this girl from like Oklahoma yeah. who started a food blog and then mm-hmm. she based she uh she wrote two or three books. I know one is called Girl Wash Your Face. Oh, um, okay, gotcha, gotcha. And then there's another one that she just came out with, but like is just like a a moving entity in herself, like a big power entity just with within herself and she mm-hmm. lives through authenticity. Mm-hmm. And she just like came up with uh yeah she she has like these these amazing um teaching points and one of them mm-hmm. was like okay who is your favorite person to follow on Instagram and i was like oh the rock that's easy and she's and she says the rock is mine and i was like what what <laughs> are you thinking what i'm thinking like we're on the same page like both of us love the rock awesome yeah. and then she's like okay what did he post last week and i was like i don't i don't know and she's like, yeah, what you're thinking is what I'm thinking. I don't know either. And, like, she's saying this on stage. Meanwhile, like, I'm thinking she's having a personal conversation with me, like, mm-hmm, while there's, mm-hmm. like, 5,000 other people in the yeah. building. And she, and she goes, that's the whole point right there. Don't worry about what you're posting on Instagram. Just be authentic. <laughs> yeah. Share it. And know that in a week, no one's going to remember anyways. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. just share the value be yourself and stop worrying about what other people are going to think because they're not going to remember anyways. Yeah. I was like, huh, that is yeah. so true. That's so that's, that's an idea that I really internalized from uh, Mark Bell and mm-hmm. he, he puts out just tons and tons and tons of content and you never know what's going to click with someone, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you're always putting it over your head, like what are people going to say about this? He says in his, he's, he was saying in one of his videos, he's like, guess what? No one cares. Like everybody's so busy with their own lives. You know, they'll, they'll watch and say, hmm, yeah, that was cool. And then they'll move on with their day. Like nobody spends their time sitting around thinking about you, you know? And, and once you know that it's very empowering and then you can realize like, look, let me just execute on these ideas. Cause I've got a ton of great ideas. You throw things against the wall. You don't know what's going to stick. Um, so that's, that's very powerful, super powerful. Right. And I mean, I've even seen seen you like take that and uh, and uh, you share a ton of great information on your Instagram. Thank you. Um, wh- what was it after your conversation with Mark Bell where you had that, or was it? You know, did you just start doing that because you wanted to do that? Ooh. Um, so if we go back a year, maybe like a year and a half, it was. So I, I had a period where I wasn't active at all on Instagram because I saw it as like this really superficial thing that I didn't want in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was posting like once a month and things like that, you know, just when I thought I had something really interesting. And then I started to just try to get myself more consistent with it. And I wanted to build my voice. So when I wanted to say something, I would try to force myself to just say it. 
and not to try to filter it, not to edit it, not to be like, okay, well, what's the right way to say this? Who might this offend? You know, all that kind of stuff. If I have something that I really want to say, I'm going to say it because I wanted to build up that internal strength of just saying what's what's on your heart, you know? And and I know that I'm not an inflammatory person, so I'm like, you should be okay. So, so I started doing a bit more of that, but it was still very like, this is Instagram ready, you know, and this is edited and, and everything looks good. Um, and, and then, yeah, so it was actually after having a conversation with Mark. So this was maybe uh, sometime earlier this year, I forget which month, but um, I was going through a, a rough spot in my life. Um, and Mark was, man, j- just an incredible guy. Like, I know the guy's crazy busy. Um, but I was up in Modesto in my hometown just hanging out with my family for a week just to get my bearings. And he invites me up to Sacramento. And it was on a Sunday. And he literally spends like two hours just like sitting down with me at Phil's Coffee and, and talking about life. Just talking, you know, business advice, life advice. We go for like this long walk and he's just like, you know, we're just talking about all kinds of stuff. And that was one of the major things that I really got from that conversation. Um, like what he was saying was like, you know, the, the time that I spent with you today and, and kind of the way that I helped you today, just pay it forward, you know, do that for somebody else. You don't know who you're going to connect with. And that's the way that I've started to view my social media and the different platforms that I have on podcasts, on Twitter, on Instagram, on, on YouTube, all these different things. Because at first you're like, at least for me, I would think very selfishly, like, is how is this going to benefit me? Who might judge me based off of this? And all this kind of stuff. And then as soon as you start focusing on, like, imagine that you are a shepherd and you have this flock. Uh, as lame as that sounds, you're a shepherd, you have this flock, and you're supposed to tend to them. They, they've come to you for something. There's mm-hmm. something about you or your message that resonates with them, and they want more nourishment. They want more food. They want to be sustained by what you're putting out there. So once I started thinking of it that way, it was like, screw the way you look, man. Like, who cares? Like, screw uh, the way you want to communicate a certain message. Like, just speak it from your heart, you know? Um, Pull your phone out. Okay, the lighting's bad. Who cares? Like, you Mm -hmm. know, like all all these different things. So I started being a lot less filtered with the way that I was communicating and a lot more from the heart because... I can speak authentically from what I know my struggles are and, and from what I've what I've kind of dealt with. And I'm not I'm not like, you know, the guy with the crazy backstory and you're like, holy, you know, holy crap, you were homeless and you did this and that. I'm not that guy. But the things that I have dealt with, I know a lot of other people have dealt with them too. So that's where I'm coming from now. And yes, thanks to guys like Mark and, you know, other people that are authentic on social media, it really is this incredible tool where you have this microphone and you can use it to do the whole light game and the whole, uh, you know, showing off and, and all that, like the, the superficial stuff. And on the other hand, you can really, really use it to impact people. So that's what I'm working on. And by no means am I there yet. Like I'm, I'm working on it. Man, dude, I just, I really got to acknowledge you for, for that self-awareness that you have about yourself um, and, and the fact that you want to share your story just with with others like and not thinking like okay i'm not the homeless guy i'm not the the guy with like a huge injury or anything um but still realizing like what i've been through and the shit that i've been through Mm -hmm. it can still impact others so that i really want to acknowledge you for and you know say thanks and it's that's what that is fucking extraordinary 
Thank you, man. It, it's yeah. like, like what, what I think we can all do is just enable each other to help each other, you know, and, and people will give themselves an out with those kind of things because it's like, what right do I have to share my message or to share my truth? Because I haven't yet done X, Y, and Z. And I, I know people that do that. And it's like, you know, where you're at in life is, is super important and you have overcome things and everyone's overcome things. Um, and I've been so inspired by the content from people that are really authentic around that. So I think that's, that's what we all should be doing. We all should be speaking those truths in our lives that, you know, it resonates with where we're from. And this is a huge planet with a ton of different people. You don't know who's going to resonate with it. Like it always shocks me if I, when I get like a message from somebody who's in France or like Australia or something, and you're like, I never thought I was connecting with them. I thought I was connecting with, you know, people in Cali or people in Texas. Um, so that's, that's a very, very important thing. And I think when, when people allow themselves to do that before they're ready, that's the important thing. Mm -hmm. Um, everybody wants to be ready. Everybody wants to, Oh, when I publish this book, when I'm, when I'm ready for my podcast and I've got the right equipment, when I have the right camera for my YouTube channel, um, you're just, you're just hindering yourself. And perfectionism is sometimes, uh, really just, it, it's a, it's a nice way of couching laziness sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, and, and a lot of people, a good point. Yeah, so write that like down. Do if that. you're listening to this, write that down. People like to do that. Like, well, I'm a perfectionist and, and they try to, they try to portray their flaw as a virtue. Screw that. Like get up there, give it your best shot, take the criticism, use it, you know, go back and practice. Um, you know, allow yourself to suck at things. Mm -hmm. So, so maybe we're going off on a tangent. No, no, that's, no. <laughs> that's huge. That's huge. I mean, like, okay, so rap came out of nowhere, mm -hmm. literally came out of nowhere, but you weren't just going to say no, you know, it's something that, <laughs> that kind of excited you. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of things excite a lot of people, but they're like, ah, oh, no, 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 this isn't me. This isn't mm -hmm. me. Yeah. But dude, you, I saw the energy in you when you were just talking about it and it mm -hmm. lit you up, you know? Yeah. Um, and I've, I've listened to the song rising sun, mm, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's pretty dope. It's pretty dope. You know, even though I'm the white guy who listens to country and like everything, mm -hmm. I will say, I like the song. You oh, know? thank you, man. <laughs> no, of course, of course. But you know, you got to try it. You just got to yeah. like put your hands into tons of different pots and try it out. Right. Yeah. You know, um, I want to, I want to take you, take you back to something that you said earlier, you know, you, you have a story that uh, that can resonate with a lot of people. Well, some of my audience might not know your story, so mm -hmm. uh, do you want to walk us through that? Yeah. So let's let's get to maybe let's take it uh, as far back as when I was like entering college and what I was doing there. I was very passionate about um, economics. I was really passionate about how that how economic policy could impact countries that you know, maybe have really bad wealth distribution or people are super impoverished. Like I, I came at it from this very humanitarian perspective and I was, you know, as many college students are, I was very idealistic and I was like, let me join all these orgs and support these causes. Mm -hmm. As I'm studying economics and I'm every single summer, I'm doing an internship and I'm doing consulting, I'm doing finance. Um, what else did I do? I, I did a underwriting internship my last year and I'm just trying different things because I want to see what could potentially be a career for me. 
and I was just very dissatisfied with it. I, I realized immediately that I, I couldn't sit in an office. I had so much trouble with that. There were so many things that I wanted to express and work on that I didn't feel I could do in the capacity of a nine to five. And, and yes, everybody seems to be, uh, everybody seems to be dissing nine to fives nowadays. Um, so I don't want to do that, but that was just my experience. I wasn't, I wasn't digging it and I wasn't happy about it. So, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm my, I'm in my last year of college and I had a dream this one night that <laughs> this, this sounds like a, a movie script or something like that, but I literally had this dream this one night where, um, I'm sitting up on stage on like a San Diego Comic-Con type panel with a cast of other actors and, uh, somebody in the audience asked a question, um, you know, are you, are you happy with your choice to become an actor? You know, like, do you enjoy what you're doing now? And, and I said, you know, there are so many other things that I might have done, but thank God I decided to become an actor because, you know, this is what I was meant for. And um, it was the realest dream, and I could feel it, and I felt in my heart that I, had, that I had hustled hard. I had taken all of the opportunities, all the chances, and I had done what I needed to do, and I was finally there. And it was this very fulfilling feeling. And then I woke up and I had like tears streaming down my face. And I was, so I, I literally had eight bucks at that time. A lot of it was uh, just change in, in this little cup because I hadn't gotten paid from this internship yet that I was working. So I was like living off those eight bucks, Pop-Tarts, uh, Top Ramen that a friend of mine had been nice enough to buy me to hold mm -hmm. me over. Um, so I was living off of that and I was like sleeping on this little cot in this, um, in this little place that I was subletting and I was, you know, it's a one person bedroom and it was two of us guys in there. And, uh, it was just like, it was a crappy situation to wake up from and like tears going down my face. And I was thinking, damn, man, you haven't done anything towards this goal. Like that whole thing was just a dream. You've, you've never acted a day in your life. And it was something that I always wanted to do, but I always thought you had to have, a, you know, your dad's a director, or you have to have some into the industry, or you're one of those child actors and you've always been doing plays and you took tap dancing when you were six. Like, I thought that's how you became an actor. Um, and that wasn't me at all. I was in Modesto with my family <laughs> and none of us were into act, like none of us did any of that stuff. We didn't have the money. We didn't have the connections. We didn't have any of that. So um, I wake up from this dream and... It, there was something in me that was telling me like, th this is something you have to do. Same thing that made me rap on that song. It was like that mm -hmm. intuition or the voice of God, or as they say here in LA, the universe. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was one of those things, but I felt that hunch and I wrote it down as a goal. I said, by the end of this year, um, I will book, uh, a, I will book a starring role on a major TV show. I wrote that down as a one year goal. Cause I felt like Okay, I've got this one year in college where I'm still protected. I'm not out in the real world yet. I, you know, I, I don't have to go do all that yet. So while I have this protection of being in college, I'm going to take that and hustle as hard as I can and make this happen. Um, so that's what I did. That year, it was like every single day, 4 a.m., going to bed at 10 p.m. Um, I, I took that major goal and I broke it down. I said, what do I have to do to, to book a, a major role on like a TV show? Well, I'm going to need uh, headshots. I'm going to need an agent. I'm going to need credits on my resume. I'm going to need acting classes. Um, I wrote out all of these different steps. And then from there, it was like, okay, well, where do I need to be in like six months? What should I have at that point? And I wrote that stuff out. And then I was like, okay, so where do I start this month? What do I need to do? Okay, well, I can, 
<laughs> it, it started way down to the basics. It was like, well, um, I'm, I'm not in great shape. I'm super broken out and I have no money and you know, I, I need to get headshots. So let's get in shape. Let's get headshots. Let's apply for every single acting gig you possibly can. You know, all these different non-union things. And I started slowly snowballing and snowballing. Yeah. And at this point, you're in L.A., right? I'm in San Diego. Oh, oh you're in San Diego now. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so I was skipping classes. I was driving up to L.A. for auditions. Um, and it was just this constant daily grind. I didn't have a social life at the time. I wasn't talking to anybody. It was just every single day working on this. And things built up over time um, to the point where by the end of that year, I had an agent. I had headshots. Uh, I had done music videos. I did this Coca-Cola gig. I starred on an indie film. And then right by the end of that year, um, I, as soon as I finished up that year, I had booked the, the role as the Red Power Ranger on the show. And then we were going out to New Zealand for nine months to start filming two seasons of that. Wow. And that year changed my life because I realized, like, holy crap, you can really set like a big goal. And if you focus on it and you break it down, you take the proper steps, you can achieve that. Because, mm -hmm. because there were like, I, I didn't have anything that would have led me there, you know, like I was starting kind of from scratch. So that was, it was just a big learning experience in my life. Now, can I, can I ask you to break that down mm -hmm. even further? Yeah. So acting classes, where did you go? Cause you're in San Diego, you're not in LA. Mm -hmm. Um, getting in shape, getting in shape, could sound like a daunting task mm -hmm. you know if you just hear that like hey you need to get in shape mm -hmm. okay where do i even start like what did you start reading what did you start looking into where where'd you go with that yeah so it, it's it's literally all of that so the first thing i did was i just created a schedule for myself mm -hmm. so i said i'm gonna get up at four and every single day i'm gonna take care of my mindset and my body and then i'm gonna start working so mindset wise it was reading and i started with um, all of the usual suspects. It was like the compound effect, uh, think and grow rich, seven habits of highly effective people. Uh, I read The Alchemist. I read, um, it was like all of your your general uh, personal development, self-improvement type books. Because I was trying to figure out like, how do you set goals? How do you change your mindset? How do you like just not hinder yourself? Mm -hmm. um, so I was reading all of those every single day. At the same time, I was listening to all of these motivational videos because I, I, I know that human beings can be brainwashed. I know mm -hmm. that for sure. So I thought, what if I brainwashed myself for success? What if I cut out every negative influence and I just flooded my mind with all of this, you know, successful people and with these positive videos? So that, that's what I was doing. Brainwashing has a negative connotation, but to me, it was just like, it was nourishing my May mind. Maybe, maybe reprogramming. Reprogramming. That's exactly... That's actually what I named the playlist on, on YouTube. It was called Program Your Mind. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. So, yep. um, so I was doing that. In terms of getting in shape at the time, uh, I was doing a plant-based diet. So I really doubled down on that. And um, you know, I, I set a certain amount of calories. I, I followed like this really rigid whole foods plant-based diet where it was beans, nuts, seeds, legumes, whole grains, um, leafy greens, fruits, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, there's nothing processed in my diet. Training, I really doubled down on that. So it was doing a lot of like reverse pyramid training and compound lifts, some accessories, um, lots of cardio on the days in between. So yeah, I was like this highly controlled machine that year. 
That's um, awesome. Yeah, it's 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 awesome. The other thing I'll say about it though is that it's temporary. Like I I now know that I don't think that people can live their life that way. For me to achieve that one year goal, because the fear of failure was great. Like I knew that if I don't if I don't accomplish this, like I got to go get a job. You know. Mm-hmm. So I was really really driven to do that, but. Um, it's like a, you have to weigh the options. You know, I think for most people, a story like that might sound inspiring and they want to like go into this hustle mode. But if you have a family, if you have kids, if you have a wife, if you have a relationship, significant other, um, you have all these other priorities in life, all these other, um, balls to juggle and things to manage at the time I had nothing else to take care of except myself. Mm -hmm. So I was able to do that. So that's, that's the thing that I always try to remind people of like, because people really want to get into it, and they're like, that's amazing. And it's like, well, you know, you, you have to think about all, like, everything in your life. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, I mean, at the time you were doing this, you were, what, a freshman, junior-ish in, in college? Junior, yeah. Junior, yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, you're still young. Mm -hmm. And as as you grow older, you know, uh, late 20s, early 30s, and late 30s, you know, Working with those people, telling them to like, hey, you, you still got it. Yeah. You can still try things. You really can. You really can. But yeah. you just have other other things in your atmosphere that, you know, you have to deal with because that's that's just what life brings you. Um, mm -hmm. Now you're coaching. Um, mm -hmm. You've got uh, Primal primal Body Nation, right? Yes. So what is it, what is it like working with, you know, people who are – still that young age mm -hmm. and, you know, very, uh, impressionable, uh, really have that go, go, go work ethic or, or, um, work mentality. Mm -hmm. And then the older folks who were like late thirties or even, you know, uh, older than that. Mm -hmm. Usually the difference is consistency and execution. Um, so the, usually the, the younger client I work with, um, they execute really well at first, they get really, really excited, and then they hop on the next thing. Mm -hmm. You know, so for usually working with them, it's a matter of accountability and keeping things slow and slowly building on top of things and explaining why you're doing what you're doing. Um, working with like older clients, you, you, you almost don't have to do anything. Like once, once you give them a plan and they understand why they have that plan, they really stick to it well. And one thing that I subscribe to is people will follow a plan and they'll execute either because it's extremely simple or because they're extremely motivated. So with each client, it's, it's an individual case where you have to figure out what is that for them. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think you can do both. You can make the plan as simple as possible, but at the same time, you want to make sure that they have a clear goal in mind before they go into it. Because mm -hmm. um, if they don't have a clear goal in mind, then at the first sign of an obstacle, you know, when they don't want to go grocery shopping or they're too lazy to meal prep that night or like these different things, um, they're going to toss it right up in the air. So you have to kind of set up that structure before they go into it. But um, that's, that's something that I've been thinking about a lot recently. The idea of people have to be either very motivated to do something, you know, they have a chronic illness, they have a condition, um, they, they have a hundred plus pounds to lose and it's a matter of taking care of their kids. So that's, that's like that crowd and they're super motivated. On the other hand, it's the people that it's like maybe the new year's resolution crowd where they have a vague general desire to improve their lives, but 
you know, it, it doesn't really matter either way if they do or not. Mm-hmm. So with them, it's, it's a matter of how simple can you make it? How can you provide these really, really simple steps that people can actually stick to? And this is actually something um, that I was recently learning from Saldi Stefano from Mind Pump, where he was saying that uh, he had a client who she had gained and lost the same 30 pounds over and over and over again. So he mm-hmm. said, finally, he started her off on reading one page of a nutrition book every day. Um, and he said if that was too much for her, he would have even started with her picking the book up. And I was like, are you serious? <laughs> like, you started there. Not even training, not even dieting, just reading. And and they slowly built upon that. Like, three years later, um, she's, she's lost the weight. It's never come back. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, you, you know, you really have to start off with small things. And um, something that, that I ask myself now, if I'm working on something that I'm not, like, direly motivated to do... I'll ask myself simply, what are the easiest two to three things that you can do on this project or on this task that you're not currently doing? And and that's the way that I've been like tackling some of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Uh, it's so uh, prevalent in everything in mm-hmm. life, right? Um, I just did a, a podcast with Anthony Trucks, and mm-hmm. he's a international speaker, um, New York Times bestselling author, and he's just like so good at like getting things done. Mm. And I asked him about it. I was like, what, what makes you so good at that? And he's like, well, not just my schedule, but chunking, right? Yeah. He'll, he'll yeah. take something and like only work on it for 15 minutes, Yep. right? And then he'll move on to the next thing. Only do like 20 minutes of work on it. Mm-hmm. Not trying to get the whole thing done all at once. Yeah. And I was thinking about that because one thing that just drives me nuts is editing the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's... Listening to it over and over again is great. I, I pick up all this wonderful information and great mm-hmm. perspective, but it's like finding like the little things where sometimes I have to take out an um or an ah and then mm-hmm. a pause, and it's just it's a little time consuming. But it was just like boom, epiphany. You're right, Anthony. Uh, if I just take if I just do this for 15 minutes one day, mm-hmm. 15 minutes the next day, 15 minutes the next day, next thing you know, it's over with and. It yeah. was super easy, and it didn't seem like a huge uh, hindrance in my life. Chunking is huge. Like that's that's something that I just recently started um, focusing on because I, I thought about my workouts, and I was asking myself, why is it so easy for me to go to the gym and work out and put that much intensity into that, but accomplishing like all of these different tiny little daily tasks, like it can just have me all over the place. And then I thought, what if you had like a business workout, and then you had a music workout, and then you had um, you had a writing workout and all those different things and you just schedule it into your day. It's like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do for this amount of time. We're going to set aside 90 minutes, 60 minutes or 30 minutes and we're just going to go hard on this one section of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been tremendously helpful to me recently just to know that I'm going into that instead of having this laundry list that just chases you long into the night and then it's it's late and you never get through all of it. So... Man, that's so cool. That's so cool that you brought it all together like that. Yeah. It, it's funny because like when I was thinking about the logo for this podcast, mm-hmm. I kind of wanted like a brain to be on like the bench with its like arms coming out that. of it and like pushing it and, and like doing reps. I was like, man, that's going to be hard to draw on the chalkboard wall. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm already misspelling things, <laughs> let alone like have to like make a brain. But um, But yeah, it's like, okay. I don't just want to have a conversation. I want I want to have like a thoughtful 
profound conversation with with like different aha moments mm-hmm. and um you know like thinking that way brings a lot into the intention behind the conversation so um man dude i i, I love that you have that that perspective on like getting things done like that mm-hmm. it's so cool yeah it's 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 very very um it's something that i've done with my goal setting too recently where i often used to think in terms of time chunks you know, like, what am I going to do this month, this week, today, things like that. And now I've started thinking more in terms of projects. And I'll, I'll simply, you know, I, I have this like notes, um, th- this just note in my, in my phone and, you know, on my laptop where it's, it's literally just online business. It's music. It's a uh, book with Dr. Ted Naiman. It's a book with Brad Kearns. It's um, what else? Even like my fitness stuff in there. And then I've got all of the next steps, the next five to 10 things that need to be done next. Some of them are a bit far off. They might be like a month out or two months out. Some of them are pretty immediate. Um, And just revisiting that every day makes Mm -hmm. it so much easier for me to plan those workouts, you know? Because I I know what's coming up and I'm able to like do my own programming, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah, so so that's been like tremendously helpful for me recently because it used to be this scattered... Uh, time constraint thing where it's like you got all these things you got to do this week and now it's like no 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 okay we're just going to spend how much time needs to be devoted to um, to writing today okay well I know what section I need to write because I see it here on the note so mm-hmm. let me chunk that out let me chunk that out um, and now I'm actually like scheduling this stuff and the scheduling part of it is huge because that's a big part of execution if something's scheduled you do it because it's on your schedule um, and you don't think about motivation. You don't think like, am I still motivated to, uh, to write this section for my book today? It's like, no, you're going to go to the gym and work out. Like that's, that's not a, it's not a question. Well, you're going to go and sit down for these 30 minutes you've scheduled and do your writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also makes it easier for you to honor yourself and honor your own time commitments and not throw your own work up in the air for everybody else's, uh, I need this, I need that, you know, and, and things like that. So, so it kind of helps you to prioritize and know what's coming up. Now, do you do you ever celebrate in some type of way after you you complete a commitment that you made to yourself? Hmm. I I I don't think I do. Like, no, I should. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like for for reinforcement. Um, yeah. You know, because like your your subconscious is really like the the driver, right? It it you're anything you take in is always mm-hmm. going to be logged in your subconscious. So, yeah. you know, like little wins like that, like, Oh, you know what? I did my 30 minutes of writing today that I scheduled yesterday for me to do today. Mm-hmm. Celebrate a little bit, like do a little shimmy or something. <laughs> that's, that's so smart because just the same idea of like training yourself with your work, like you can train yourself. So the same way that you, you would train anybody else or even that you would train a dog, and I know that sounds bad, but you have to provide rewards. And the brain, mm-hmm. the brain understands that when you train yourself to do something and there's a reward on the other side. For me, like I, I think that um, maybe one way in which I do that is I try to practice delayed gratification. So mm-hmm. if, I'm, if I'm working and I'm like, oh, well, let me check my texts or let, let me check what's going on currently, I'm like, just finish this up and then you can go check that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like a smaller form of that. Yeah, no, it totally is. And yeah. it, it could be something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like checking your text or checking your email. That could be the celebration. 
Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be like get up and, and do the whole shimmy dance yeah. or like, you know. High five your back. I like that better though. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's way more fun. It's way more fun. But um, yeah, it's it it's something and it uh, I've incorporated that in my life and it mm-hmm. totally works. It totally works. I'm going to start thinking more about that. Yeah. yeah it's, it's it's cool. And um, what's great is that it's it's something that you think about at first and then it just kind of gets logged in your subconscious and you just mm-hmm. start to do it anyways and it becomes part of your life kind of like working out right like you mm-hmm. know the day you have to work out and that's going to happen no yeah. matter what yeah. you know yeah i think people that's a really good thing for people to realize um when you're trying to accomplish more in life when you're trying to add more to your plate when you're trying to reach these goals there's going to be so much discomfort in the beginning, and it's almost like over time you can outsource these tasks to your subconscious by building habits. So you no longer really have to worry about them. It's just something you do. Mm-hmm. Um, in the beginning, everything's a conscious effort. Everything takes effort. Everything takes hustling away at it, grinding away at it. But over time, it just becomes something you do. It's like with following a diet. At first, that's extremely difficult for people. Over time, it's like part of your identity. The more you can make positive habits part of your identity, it's like that Aristotle quote about, um, it's something about how um, excellence is a habit, you know? Have you ever heard that yeah, quote? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I forget exactly how it goes, but it's one of those genius quotes where it's like, you know, people are like an accumulation of their habits. Like, excellence, therefore, is a habit. It's it's something that you build up over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. What is that quote? I want to like get on my computer and look it up, but I'm <laughs> afraid that this thing is, you know, it's working fine. It's good. I'm not going to mess with it yeah, at the moment. Don't tempt fate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yes, definitely have heard the quote before. And that is a goal of mine to just be like Aristotle, where everything I say just is profound and great, but I've got a long way to go. You know, I, I'm like at the pre-stretch before the stretch of <laughs> Aristotle-esque-ness, I guess. <laughs> If I had to ask you um, what that long-term mission looks like for you, um, who is it that you're trying to become and who is it that you're trying to impact? Um, I'm just trying to become someone who is is transferable energy. You know, when I walk into a room or I meet someone, um, I bring a type of energy or... I don't want to just say positiveness because I don't think positivity is always uh, always helpful, mm-hmm. but someone who, who brings energy to the room and is is positive for that group or that person or mm-hmm. the room. Um, and what I want to create is, well, let me go back. I know that when I'm around a ton of people who have just a ton of energy and who are intentional in a purpose and are like really driving towards either a goal or something they want to accomplish. Mm -hmm. I like being around those people. Yeah. I feel that. And then usually things get done. Mm -hmm. So what I'm trying to create is an atmosphere of those types of people Mm. who then create an atmosphere around themselves and transfer that into other people. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like very, like, uh, I don't know, um, like yoga-ish, mm-hmm. you know, like transfer your energy, things like that. It could be that, but 
I'm trying to create this world where people are just doing amazing shit and are working towards being extraordinary because I don't believe you're born extraordinary. I believe um, there's a process in which you become extraordinary Mm -hmm. and that is transferable. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to create a ton of, you know, thinking behind that and, and hopefully people who think that way and just make, make an extraordinary atmosphere uh, for people to live in. You said something really interesting there about how people aren't born extraordinary, but they become extraordinary. Yeah. And that's, it's completely true. If people saw what it takes to become extraordinary, it's the most mundane of things. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, these tiny, tiny tasks repeated constantly over time that lead to that. Um, there's no way that you can just be born extraordinary, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like that's empowering, though, because everybody can do tons of these little mundane things. You can get up a little bit earlier in the morning. You can write your goals out. You can start reading. If, if you don't want to read 10 pages a day, you can read one page a day, and then that becomes two pages a day. Like, I think that's the superpower that we all have that – um, that, that is so important for people to tap into the fact that every single day you can do something to make yourself better than you were yesterday. Mm-hmm. That's and, huge. And the belief that you can yeah. make yourself yeah. better than you were yesterday. Cause I think too many people stop themselves way ahead of the game mm-hmm. because they don't think they can, they can get to where they want to go. Where, uh, when I was in, I, I forgot who said it. But uh, the the person who was speaking said, all I'm trying to do is make myself a little better every day. I'm not trying to, you know, um, reach my goal the next day. I'm mm-hmm. just trying to be a little better every day. And I think if people just focus on that little thing, yes, that, that little quote right there, that's where the true gold is. Because you don't have to, if your goal is to dunk, and mm-hmm. you're five four, and you can't dunk yet. But if you can try and reach eight feet, then eight feet two inches, then eight mm-hmm. feet three inches, you know, you will eventually get to it. Mm-hmm. You will do it. But you're not going to go from you know jumping to wherever you're at, and then to ten feet mm-hmm. in one day. Yeah. And it goes back to those minute little things that you have to do day after day after day. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how that's how you get to where you want to go or, or reach what you want to reach. I, I think some people have never experienced that in certain areas of life. So they, they don't know that as a fundamental truth. Um, and like for me, I think that was something that I learned from weight training. That was, you know, I, I learned that you can go from being a scrawny weakling to, to being able to do one pull-up to being able to do two pull-ups and three pull-ups. And it shows you that through consistency... And just making the steps every single day, you can build yourself into something. And then people think like, you know, you're strong or you're buff or you're this or that. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm just the accumulation of all those tiny little things that I did every day. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's the thing that gets me the most excited every day. It gets me excited for my own life. It gets me excited for everybody else's life. It's like, you know, do, do you guys know that you can get 1% better today? Like it's a fantastic thing. And that fundamental belief like can help you weather the really tough times in life. And it can also keep you moving forward when things are really, really good and you want to rest on your laurels. Mm-hmm. Like you can't rest on your laurels. It doesn't matter how much money you just made or what success you just had because 
all that matters is that you're getting 1% better every single day. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a very uh, grounding principle. Yeah, it, it really is. And um, just the the little, it, it's action over everything, right? Execution mm-hmm. over everything. Yeah. Um, it's not thinking about getting better every day. It's literally taking an action or taking a step. And I'll, I'll give an example, right? Um, I work with... I work with someone who um, is like deathly afraid of driving, mm-hmm. deathly afraid of driving. And as I'm working with her, you know, we're, we're taking steps to break down that barrier of just being scared of other things, right? Um, you know, talking to someone she doesn't want to talk to mm-hmm. or um, going somewhere she doesn't want to go. And we've broken that down to the point where the other day, um, she said something along the lines of, I wouldn't do that because that is, that would make me just look bad in front of my daughter or my friends. And I was like, listen, don't do things because it would make you look bad. Do things that you think would make you look incredible and different and be an example mm-hmm. to your daughter or your friends. Yeah. Don't you want to live that way where you're living for excitement, not living for scarcity? And yeah. she's like, huh, I guess, yeah, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather do that because I don't want my daughter to think that I'm going to look bad doing this or I'm going to I'm making a decision to do this because it might not make me look good in front of someone. So mm-hmm. from that, at the end of the session, I was like, hey, so we're going to deal with your fear. We're gonna. I'm gonna make you be an example to your daughter, and you're gonna find. Uh, you're gonna go uh, and find either a race car uh, track or some type of experience where you're going to uh, get in a race car and drive over 100 miles an hour. Hmm. And she's like, "Okay." Now, here's the thing: she didn't get in the car physically and go and 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 drive it but she did research it she found she found a place to go and do it super expensive so i don't know if she's going to do it and i'm not going to make some someone spend eight hundred dollars to go do this but mm-hmm. the fact that she was able to like look into it and and go and do it instead of saying you know what no this isn't what i'm going to do yeah that's that one percent or two percent being better than you were the, the day before and now mm-hmm. That could change into anything in her yeah. life, right? People don't understand how small it can be sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, like you don't have to make it this big thing. It's, it's literally like if, if you're not currently exercising, can you at least do 10 push-ups when you wake up? You know, like it, it's that sort of thing. And then it, it's like, well, yeah, of course you can. You know, and, and people almost laugh about that. They're like, yeah, you know, I, I can do that. And they feel kind of goofy and then they do it. And it's like, okay, well, let's just build on that. Because everybody wants to launch into things, and they want to be at a certain level when they start, um, and that's just—it's—it's it's not realistic. Like that's not how you build on things. Patience is—that—that's something that I've been learning a lot in the past year. Because having that first year where I basically, like, when I had gotten into acting and just dove headfirst into it and experienced success in a really short amount of time, you kind of expect that process to repeat itself. So I was always searching for that same thing where it's like, okay, what else can I dive head first into and, you know, just experience this crazy success. And I learned just over time, it's like, wait a minute, 
forget about that. You know, stop, just chill. Okay, what can we build? What can we build slowly over time? Because that was like, that's that's one of those things where it's like jumping out of a plane, you know, and, and hoping that the parachute works. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not really a good way to approach life. It teaches you something, but it's not a good way to approach life. You always want to be focused more on building. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I like that. And I, I think about that a lot too. Like, w- when, I, when I feel like, um, you know, some certain project, like I'm dropping the ball on something, all I think about is, okay... Don't worry about the whole, the whole, uh, you know, the whole of it. Just think about, okay, what is the easiest thing that you know that you can do that's going to start moving you in the right direction? Because simply that is going to create the the right momentum, you know. So that's something I've been thinking about a lot recently. Don't think about what you're messing up on. Don't think about any of that stuff. What can I do? Not what do I have to cut out of my life. Just what can I do today? And you'll always find time for that. So I want to take you back to when you were. Uh just moving into trying to become an actor Mm -hmm. and you started scheduling the granular items that you need to accomplish Mm -hmm. to get to the, the, you know, macro goal. Yeah. Right. So, um, where, where did you learn to do that or what made you really parse it out like that? Hmm. That's, that's a good question. I'm trying to think, where did I learn to do that? Um, to me, it was just sort of like an intuitive thing where I started with, okay, I know I have all of these different things to do today, so let me just, let me plug my, like, I, I would just use a notebook. I, I never liked to use anything that was, like, too organized, you know? Like, like there's a lot of different goal-setting journals and things like that, but I'm like, okay, I, I don't want to format. I just want to write. Mm-hmm. So I would just list out everything I have to do for that day, just a mind dump, and then I would I would take that and plug in what I already know I have scheduled, and then around that, I would think, okay, so within those gaps of the day, where can I start plugging in these tasks? Where can I get these things done? And like anything else, you know, you do too much too soon, and then you learn, okay, wait, let, let me take a step back. You know, it's, it's like going to the gym. You, you end up way too sore. You get rhabdo your first weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I would like, I'd kind of be like, okay, I burned out a little bit that week. That's not consistent and sustainable. Let me see what's a manageable amount for me to do. Um, so that's kind of how I approached every single day. Like I would have literally from the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep, there'd be a schedule. And nowadays I've actually moved away from, from that level of being meticulous about it to where the most important things in my day are scheduled. The Mm. things around that, I just allow that to be habit. You know, um, I try to allow myself some flexibility because that's important too. Like, you know, just honestly, you know, some people might think of it as wasting time, but it's like, that's where ideas come to you, where you're just kind of chilling sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And you get these incredible ideas, you get incredible insights that you need a little bit of downtime to reach. If you're consistently in the process of doing and doing and doing, you never have time to actually sit back and reflect and think, what am I doing? And in what direction am I heading? Is there a better way to do this? So, um, yeah, there's there's a bit more yang to the yin nowadays. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I try to I try to <laughs> go super hard in those blocks where it's like okay, business work, it's writing time, it's uh, music time, it's um, you know, gym time. Like within those blocks, I go super hard in those, and then outside of that, it's kind of like all right, foot off the gas. You know, what do I need to do now? I can just relax a little bit, um, and that level of like doing that 
allows you to be more effective in those work chunks. Mm-hmm. If you're always just kind of like chugging along the entire day and you never, you never really are able to go hard when it's important. And that's actually something that I, that I learned from Arnold. He talks about at the end of the Total Recall book, he talks about um, you want to be able to let your mind float throughout the day. He said if you're always thinking about things, if you're always trying to solve a problem, if you're always thinking about work, um, you're never able to be effective when it's time to be effective. So he says that he just allows his mind to float throughout the day, and that's uh, something that he learned from Transcendental Meditation. And then when it's time to work on something, he gets in, he's intense, he executes on it, and then that's that. So it's something that, that I'm working on currently in my life. Wow, man, that's, that's really fucking cool. <laughs> it, yeah, it's a fun way to do it too, because then, then it's not like this huge weight on you all day where it's like, I gotta work hard all day. You hear people like, um, and I, I love these guys, like Tom Bilyeu's one of them, Gary Vee's one of them, um, you know, even The Rock's one of them. Mm-hmm. But these great motivational icons, and you hear them talk about like, just put in a 20 hour day, 16 hour day, you know, things like that. And it's like, you gotta do that consistently over time, all the time. And it's like, all right, if we looked at your day, how much of those 16, 18, 20 hours is spent killing it, crushing it? Mm-hmm. And maybe it's a lot of time, but how much time have they spent building up to that level? They are professional athletes at work. You know, they're mm-hmm. really, really damn good at that. And a lot of people that are complete amateurs at work try to get to their level. It's like, oh, I saw Gary Vee's thing and, and now it's time to go for it. And, you know, it's like taking on Michael Jordan's training schedule. Yeah. It's like, good luck, you know? It, it's that same thing we're talking about, about 1% every single day. Mm-hmm. And I think a better place to start is just to have those little periods of intensity throughout the day and schedule a few things in there, work in these blocks, work in these chunks, go really, really hard. Maybe it's for 20 minutes. You know, who can't go hard for 20 minutes? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's 15 if you can't go hard for, you know, but but it's like it's like knowing what's manageable for yourself. So um, yeah, I, I think it's kind of helpful. That's cool. Um, did, did that go into your process when you were developing um, your, your training methods? Um, mm-hmm. And I, I also want to pair that with um, when did you even start thinking like, you know what, I'm going to start training people. I know I can do this. Because we, we also shared before the podcast even started that, you know, um, when you have this ability or you have this knowledge in the health and wellness area, you have to share it. Mm, yeah. You know, it's like your duty. Yeah, it, it feels like a moral obligation a lot of the time. And, and that's when people can get very religious about their diets. But um, I don't judge them for it because I understand why they're doing it. Um, so, okay, so first thing you, you asked was about um, intensity in regards to training and how do I implement that. Mm-hmm. For me, I, I, I look at training um, just in these two different ways. You've got the really intense stuff, the weight training, sprints, high intensity whatnot, you know, these very anaerobic, glycolytic, burn your CNS out type stuff. So you've got that. And then you've also got these very aerobic, lipolytic, um, active recovery type things. So I try to include both of those in my week. And I like to go to both ends of that intensity. And I think the area in the middle is where I try to stay away from, which is Mm -hmm. something that Brad Kearns and Mark Sisson talk about in Primal Endurance, which is like the gray zone of training, Mm -hmm. you know, where you're training super hard, but it's not intense enough to elicit these big adaptations and it's not gentle enough to allow your body to recover. So it's just this perfect area of overtraining. 
And that's something that I've beaten myself to a pulp doing many, many times. So I try not to do that anymore. Three days a week, I go really intense. Um, I've got my compound lifts. I've got um, some bodybuilding movements in there, Olympic lifts. Um, I might incorporate some high-intensity stuff in there. That's three days a week. The other three days is the super boring zone two cardio that everybody hates. You know, the LIS, uh, you know, low intensity steady state uh, type stuff. So that's like the yin and the yang for me where, mm. you know, three days a week I'm lifting hard, I'm going heavy, I'm pushing myself. The other three days I'm going for a light jog, I'm going for a brisk walk. Um, I like a lot of stand efforting stuff about going on these 10 minute walks, which I think is like, that's such an amazing idea and it's so doable for many people. Mm-hmm. You know, just after a meal, just go for a 10 minute walk. So um, that's that's kind of the way that I structure my training. And then you had asked about, um, you know, why and where did I start training people? For me, it was, I, you know, I, I was like a couple of years ago, I was just really identifying myself as only an actor. And I had this crazy passion for health and fitness, like all the time in all of my spare time, I was reading as much as I could, researching as much as I could, um, just absorbing information about this. And I've been doing that since I was like 13, like... I've always been obsessed with reading everything on bodybuilding.com and T Nation and then scouring PubMed and like all, you know, examine.com and like um, having all these different heroes and mentors in the health and fitness space. I used to love doing that. And I, I just thought, no, you're an actor. Don't do that. Like, let's just focus on this one thing. And um, my girlfriend at the time had, she was kind of like, well, you have this huge passion for it. So why not start to, you know, let that. Um, influence your social media stuff a little bit. Why not maybe just write up an ebook or put out like an article or uh, do a podcast about it? And it was just this slow, gradual thing where it's like, okay, I'll, I'll write an ebook. All right, I'll, I'll do a newsletter. And, <laughs> and like, I just didn't want to be that guy. I'm like, but I don't want to be Mr. Personal Trainer, Mr. Health and Fitness and stuff. But I, I just allowed myself slowly to get out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And that had to do with judgment too, because I kept thinking, what are my fellow actors going to think about me? Like, oh, he must be failing. That's why he's putting out health and fitness content now. Or like, oh, this is lame that he's like selling an ebook, or this is lame that he's doing a podcast, you know, like, and and I I had a lot of that, those thoughts in the back of my head. Like I didn't want to do those things because they, I thought they might judge me. And I'm like, perfect. That's exactly why I should do it. So, so I started doing that stuff. (laughs) Um, and yeah, it, it just built and built and built and grew and grew and grew. Um, and I would go on podcasts and, uh, and then I found a team to help me with this whole online business where it wasn't just me doing literally everything. So, um, and my girlfriend at the time was very, very helpful with, with like building all of those things. Um, so yeah, it was just a gradual process. Cool. That is incredible. You know, um, man, it's like, like if you didn't, uh, start training people or, or getting into the health and wellness space, mm-hmm. Wouldn't that contradict what you were telling people or what you were even telling mm. yourself about who you were? It, it definitely would. And <laughs> that kind of stuff leads to a lot of like cognitive dissonance where, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you, you have to express your inner philosophy and what you truly believe. And a lot of the times the discomfort that people feel is because their core values and beliefs are not their actions. So the more you can align those, like that's that's when you start to crush it in life. That's when you really, really start to do some amazing things where um, you're in alignment with your innermost belief system. And for, for me, for a long time, that was the discomfort that I felt in econ. 
mm-hmm. was the discomfort that I felt, um, you know, being an actor who didn't want to pretend that he was obsessed with health and fitness, you know? Um, so once you're able to be honest about that stuff, it's so funny. No one ends up judging you, you know? Like, right. It, it may, maybe <laughs> rarely people do, and it's, it's like th- those are the people that, like, just enjoy getting a rise out of other people. But the truth is, like, the proportion of people that are grateful for the value you're putting out to the proportion of people that diss you for it, it's, like, it's super skewed, you know? Like, um, I've gotten a ton of positive response from just putting out that authentic content. So, yeah, don't don't worry about who's going to judge you. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, and, and what would you say to the person who's, like, right in the thick of that right now? They're, like, just, I don't know, they're they're – they're not who they want to be. They're maybe stuck in a job or they're stuck in some type of social situation or relationship that just doesn't match who they are and their morals and their beliefs. What would you say to that person? I, I think for that person, rather than changing everything overnight and taking drastic steps, ask yourself very simply, um, what's the one easiest thing I can do to start improving my life? Like, what's the one easiest thing that I can do to start moving in the right direction? So mm-hmm. if, if you have, like, a social circle that you think is very negative and they're kind of holding you back or they're judgmental or all that kind of stuff, rather than immediately 180, you know, cutting them out from your life and you never see them again kind of thing, maybe you simply think, um, how can I be involved with a social circle that's more positive? Uh, you know, how can I network? Can I go to an event and meet people that is along the lines of my passion um, can I, you know, seek somebody out and have coffee with them just to discuss what they're working on and, and what they're passionate about? So for me, it's like I always approach those things not with a mindset of restriction, but with a mindset of what can I do? Hmm. What can I do in the right direction? Because eventually that momentum is going to just crush all the negative stuff, yeah. you know? Um, in, in the past, I used to do more of like the 180 thing. It was like, okay, I'm not headed in the right direction, so let's just flip this ship around completely and go in the other direction. And um, you just destroy your momentum by doing that. Mm-hmm. So rather than like trying to, like like I, I see this a lot with um, with kids that are in college sometimes. Like I, I gave this speech at Colorado State University and at the end of it, this dude came up and he was like, you inspired me to quit college and go start my own business. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was like, okay, so where are you at in your life right now? Do you feel... Like, it is the right time to make that leap? Or have you built up to that? Because you'll know when it's the right time. I'm mm. like, how much fear do you feel around that currently? And it turned out, like, he wasn't really ready for that at the moment. Um, you know, he he wanted to do that extreme 180 thing. And it's like, no, no, no. Instead of doing that, and people get pumped up watching motivational videos and stuff, and they want to mm-hmm. call and break up with their girlfriend, and, and they want to quit their job, and you know they, they want to you know drive right out to LA and start being an actor, and like these really extreme actions, they'll hear a speech about you know uh, burn the boats and take the island, and it's like we get really fired up, and it's like you will know when it is the right time to take that inspired action. You'll feel it inside. You'll know when it's the right time. Until then, build up to that build your wave, build that momentum. Before I made that crazy thing, like that crazy decision to go for acting and say, forget economics, um, throughout college, I was pushing so hard on economics. And I was, I was trying to read as much as I could. And I was networking so much. And I was, I was building. So people think like, oh, well, well, he sort of did this whole like overnight success kind of thing. It's like, no, 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 no. That, that was a long night. Like that night was the previous three years of 
passionately trying to figure out what the heck is my calling in life. Mm-hmm. You know, I had been doing that for a long time. So when I knew it was the right time to make the leap, that's when I made the leap. Um, yeah, so so be very skeptical when somebody seems like they're an overnight success because that's never the case. Right, and dig deep into that. Like, how mm-hmm. did how did that happen versus, you know, like, what happened? Yeah, and, and I definitely recommend the mindset of what can I do rather than what can I cut out of my life and, and forget all the other stuff. Like, just focus on what can you do moving in the right direction and what can you add to your life? What positive habits can you incorporate into your life? Mm-hmm. I think that that is really going to get things moving in the right direction and it will have like this cascade over the rest of your life. It's just like a lead domino that's going to knock everything else over rather than, you know, trying to uh, radically transform your life overnight. Yeah, dude, that is such a good takeaway. Such a good takeaway for, for anyone listening. Um, just going to the granular level Mm -hmm. of what needs to happen to get to, that change that you want really thinking about that and then acting upon that. I mm-hmm. I'm so with you on that, that there's so many people who watch those YouTube videos or are just so motivated to go out and make a, a huge change and they go right for it right away. Instead of really thinking like, okay, hold on. What little things can I do, you know, tomorrow to help get towards that goal? I think that's so important. Um, I think um, for people listening to this podcast and there's a ton of information coming at you and you're thinking, Jesus Christ, where do I start with this? You know, it's <laughs> like, that's a, like if, if you simply think, okay, all I have is today and all I can do is the best that I can possibly do today. Now, how do I make one choice in the right direction? I think the first area to start with is your mindset. And the easiest place to start with is a YouTube video or a book. Um, to me, that's the lead domino that leads to everything else. For many people, that, that might be just getting to the gym, you know, but I honestly think exposing yourself to the right information um, can really, really transform your life. So that's where I would encourage people to start with, like, go listen to a Jim Rohn video. Go listen to uh, something from Jordan Peterson. He's been putting out amazing content. Um, I love Mark Bell's videos. They're like, they're so goofy and funny, but they're so practical mm-hmm. or go pick up, um, go pick up the compound effect, go pick up the miracle morning, go pick up, uh, think and grow rich, go pick up the seven habits of highly effective people. Just, and then, and then just read five pages, you know, in your car after you buy it, like start super small and watch that start to transform the rest of your life. There's a, there's a really cool, uh, saying that one of my buddies says, uh, Dan Ram is a international speaker uh, in Europe. Mm-hmm. And his tagline is, start simple, start now. Oh, I love that. Right? Yeah. It's so, it's it's just like, duh. Yeah. Just start simple, start now. That's and it's it. succinct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, okay, that's easy to do. You know, yeah. just take that one, that one step. Yeah. Um, now, I want to get into your diet because I know mm-hmm. I, I've listened to you on in, in talks and in podcasts. You've kind of ran the gamut on, mm-hmm. on diets and trying everything. And now um, you you're, you do the, the carnivore diet, correct? Mm-hmm. So kind of talk about how you found that the carnivore diet is, is the best for you. Yeah. So that was coming from doing a bodybuilding diet when I was in my teens and then, you know, standard American for a while, just eating whatever. And then I started getting more into flexible dieting. Um, 
and I, I was having a lot of issues with those, especially um, you know when I was doing flexible dieting because like I was just crazy hungry all the time, you mm -hmm. know, and my weight just kept creeping up, creeping up, creeping up. Um, body fat just kept increasing, and I had really, really bad skin issues. Like I had severe, severe acne. I posted this before and after picture on my Instagram that like people can't believe, but it was literally every inch of my face covered in severe acne. It, it was the worst of anybody I've ever seen. Um, so I had that, and I was trying to figure all of that out, and I knew that diet was the missing link. I knew that that was the key. So then I went into this four-year stint doing a whole foods plant-based diet. Uh, as soon as I went off to college, I was like, okay, now that I have control over my diet you know, and, and I'm making my own money, I can make my own choices around this. So um, that's what I thought was the healthiest thing to do at the time. So I was studying that as much as I possibly could, and I was uh, eating this whole foods plant-based diet, and it helped with the skin. It helped with um, you know, energy in a way. But I, st I had tons of gut issues, so that was one of the main things, just bloating, indigestion. Um, I started getting anxiety, which I had never gotten in my life. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was weird. It, it can affect you in many, many different ways. So I was dealing with that for a long time, but I was still trying to make it work. I tried, you know, raw vegan. I tried, um, I, I tried all these different approaches, a nutritarian approach, Dr. Michael Greger's information, Dr. Esselstyn, and slowly towards the end of that, I stopped doing that plant-based diet when I was in New Zealand one season into doing Power Rangers. I was like, this is not how the red Power Ranger is supposed to look or feel. Like, I, feel <laughs> I feel like crap and I'm bloated and I have no energy. Like they pick you up at about six something in the morning. Um, yeah, right at about six in the morning because you have to make the 7 a.m. call time and you have to go into makeup and wardrobe. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was getting up at like 3.30 or 4 most mornings to go train. And then you have this really long day on set where you get home maybe at like 8 p.m. You run your lines and then you do it all again the next day and you're working six days a week. Um, so I was like, okay, I don't have any energy doing this. Like I am beat. I'm exhausted doing this. So we had a three-week break in between seasons. So during that three-week break, I was like, I got to figure this out. And I sat down, and that's when I first started learning about the keto diet. And this is before it like blew up. Mm -hmm. um, there wasn't that much information out on it at the time. It was like a lot of the traditional like epilepsy information about like really high fat and like I'm uh, just guzzling like olive oil all over everything. <laughs> it wasn't like the popular keto you have nowadays, right? So I was studying that. Um, most of the info was by uh, Dr. Stephen Finney and Jeff Volick, and they had like the art and science of low carbohydrate living and performance. Um, so I was reading that and then I saw this video about how to get to 4% body fat without counting calories. And immediately I'm like, you got to click on that. That sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. It was by, uh, Chris Kruger and he advocated this approach of beast feast fast where it was, it was a very keto whole foods, uh, template of dieting along with fasting and training. And I, I really liked his stuff and I, I just started incorporating that stuff overnight as I did at the time, everything was extreme. So I said, forget plant-based. Literally the next day went out, bought a bunch of beef, um, and I was eating that. And the funny thing was, I felt incredible doing that. Um, a lot of people were like, you know, how is your stomach gonna react after not eating meat for so long? I felt incredible. You know, like I wow. needed those B vitamins, I needed those fat-soluble nutrients, I needed that heme iron, like I needed a lot of those things and I hadn't had it for so long. 
So I felt really good doing that. I went through the fat adaptation period, um, and I did keto, strict keto for six months. Um, did that all throughout the second season of Power Rangers. And then when I came back, that's when I was doing so much better. My gut was happy. My skin was happy. Uh, energy was fantastic. Body comp still wasn't there. So my vanity goals were not there yet. And I was mm -hmm. like, okay, that's the last piece of this puzzle that I need to figure out. And I was doing low carb, moderate, uh, moderate protein, uh, high fat, you know, traditional ketogenic macros. And I started um, reading about a lot of these stories of people um, that were doing these zero carb diets, which sounded ludicrous to me. It was, they were eating either all beef or they were doing um, like an animal-based diet. So beef, eggs, seafood, mostly like ruminant meat. And then some would incorporate um, organ meats. Uh, some were doing higher salt, like different variations. Mm -hmm. Some tried to do a more ancestral approach. And I was really intrigued by it, but I wasn't quite ready to make that leap yet. Um, so I was studying this for a while, and then I started to experiment with it a little bit. And for me, what I found made the biggest difference was once I went high protein, moderate fat, low carb, my body comp just flipped immediately. And I, I didn't want to track calories because I was burned out on that. So I was like, what style of eating can I get satiated from? Can my skin be good? Can I have great energy? Can I have good workouts? Great body comp? Like the boxes I wanted to check off were pretty, you know, they were pretty hefty goals. But mm -hmm. um, this style of eating that I found on the carnivore diet um, did that for me. And it was just a revelation to me. So that's why I started just, you know, preaching it from the mountaintops about what I had experienced on it. And I added my story to the list of people that had had incredible results with it. And people go into it for different reasons. A lot of carnivore diet success stories are people with autoimmune issues who, by removing plant anti-nutrients and um, toxins like salicylates and oxalates and um, things like that, they experience a lot of remission of certain autoimmune issues or at least a, a decrease in some of the symptoms. So, so that's one camp in carnivore. The other camp is just the person who has done keto and wants to lose the last 10 to 15 pounds, mm -hmm. uh, which that was kind of me. And that's, that's why I went into it, and I experienced all the benefits. Um, so yeah, people do it for different reasons, and they do it in different ways too. My current diet nowadays, and the way that I'm approaching this, is it's really an animal-based diet where it's... It's really founded around beef, eggs, seafood. So I'm doing salmon roe and salmon and sardines and things like that. I incorporate organ meats um, a couple times throughout the week. I like to have a collagen source in there. Um, I like to occasionally do raw dairy because that's going to incorporate some calcium, vitamins A, D, K2, some of the harder to find things on carnivore. Um, so I try to keep it well-rounded. But doing that approach, I was still losing body fat and... Um, what I was trying to do was bulk at the time and I was having trouble with that. So currently I'm doing almost like a carb night type thing where I'm doing one sweet potato at night on top of all of that. Okay. And, um, it's feeling really good. <laughs> yeah. Now, where are you getting your nutrients from, um, that you might be lacking by giving up, uh, you know, most vegetables? Yeah, that's, that's one of the big questions on carnivore. And the first thing is that when you cut carbohydrates from your diet, your nutrient requirements in the body change. So like vitamin C, for example, um, 
vitamin C and glucose compete for the same receptor in the body. So once you cut out glucose uh, in your diet, all of a sudden your body is able to better and more efficiently utilize vitamin C. Um, so that's one of them. Uh, you know, so people ask about those and I'll be completely honest, like I'm not the best expert on this. Like I would defer to Dr. Paul Saladino. People can check out his content, Dr. Sean Baker. He's got fantastic content. Um, but for me, having done that style of dieting for two years now, I haven't gotten scurvy yet. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm still kicking. I'm still doing well. And the other thing that I would tell people is that my style of dieting is, uh, it's like animal based. And the cool thing about consuming, um, you know, animals is basically it's very bioavailable nutrients. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't come with like phytic acid ruining absorption. It doesn't come with some of these anti-nutrients that decrease the absorption of the foods. Um, so you're getting a lot of nutrients from the animals. So that's one of the major benefits of it. Okay. Super interesting. Um, and that's something that I, I haven't, you know, thought about. And like I was telling you before, I think I'm a, an above average person when mm -hmm. it comes to health and wellness, but I'm not going to be an expert in any sort of way. Mm -hmm. So that, that is, is just super, super interesting. Um, one thing I'll, I'll say to people is like carnivore diet is a tool that I've used that has helped me get towards my goals. In no way do I think it's the only way that people can achieve optimal health. Mm -hmm. Because you see people all the time. I, I see people on a plant-based diet that are doing fantastic. Mm -hmm. So that in and of itself tells you, okay, there's multiple ways to achieve um, this goal of optimal health. So what I mainly tell people is the major things that I experience benefits from incorporating some fasting. So not grazing all day, but incorporating a little bit of fasting, getting better at burning body fat, fat adaptation. That's been tremendously helpful for me. Um, increasing protein and excluding sugars and vegetable oils. That's been one of the major things for me as well. So once I cut out all of those processed foods, but the major offenders really are sugar and vegetable oils, and you reincorporate more uh, nutrient-dense proteins, and if you want to do leafy greens, I think that's another major step. And then just daily exercise. I think, I think those three right there, which are what uh, Dr. Naaman and I are really pushing on our book, The P.E. Diet, which came out today. <laughs> um, wait, 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 yeah. wait, wait. Hold on. <laughs> Literally, his book came out today. Now, this podcast isn't, gonna, isn't released on the day it came out, but yeah. we're recording this on the day that William's book came out. So, fuck yeah. Uh, first and foremost, <laughs> that's you. amazing. Um, Tell us a little more about the PE diet. Yeah, so uh, Dr. Naaman was one of those big influences for the stuff that I was doing. Like, he's the guy that everybody that stalled out on keto, they would go to his page and they'd be like, okay, that makes sense. Because mm -hmm. he talks a lot about protein to energy ratio. So that's, that's what the title means. Um, the PE diet is basically, PE stands for protein to energy ratio. And our thesis in this book is basically that... Um, protein and minerals satisfy the body's nutrient hunger, but that through the agricultural revolution, through the industrial revolution, we have really had this influx of carbs and fat in the diet mm. to now people have to overconsume foods to get their protein and nutrient requirement for the day. So, um, you know, one of the graphics that we have in the book, and it's just full of graphics, one of them that we have in the book is 
you're hitting your protein requirement. Everybody's hitting their protein requirement, but how much energy did you have to overconsume to get to that? So what we're trying to do is tell people, prioritize that. Prioritize the protein and minerals, meat, eggs, fish, leafy greens, things like that. That is going to allow you to achieve satiety at a lower level of calories so that you don't have to overconsume food to get what your body needs. Because hmm. there's okay. nutrient hunger, but there's also energy hunger. So your body is going to need you know, to consume a certain amount of energy every day. But if you can front load the nutrients, it won't need to overconsume energy later in the day. Um, and that's, that's, that's really what we're trying to promote to people. Like that's the crux of this. Okay. That's so, again, super, super interesting. Um, I got to send you a copy of this, by the way. Uh, yes, please do. I, I am like biting at the bit to read this. Um, <laughs> all right. So really quick, before we talk more on the PE diet, mm-hmm. you said two things uh, earlier. You said things that you think are important to incorporate are fasting and then it was, um, not including vegetable oils or yeah. cutting out sugar and vegetable sugar oils. and vegetable oils. Yeah. Okay, so first question around fasting: When do you fast? What's your recommendation for amount of time fasting? So what I currently do is I basically wait as long as possible into the day to eat, okay. which is is not a concrete recommendation. So basically, what that means is some days I will do. A 16-hour fast. Some days it's 12 hours. Some days I'll go up to like 23 hours. Mm -hmm. It ultimately depends on how my body's feeling that day. Usually I'm following something close to a 16-8. Okay. I think for the majority of people doing at least a 12-hour fast, you know, giving your body at least that amount of time to burn through some liver glycogen, to upregulate some fat burning to um, get into that process of autophagy where you're, where you're um, you know, cellular recycling a lot of these damaged and old cells, that will definitely give you some benefits. So that's kind of what I personally do. But it's, it's just like what we've been talking about. I would recommend people, when you wake up in the morning, just try not to immediately eat. Like see how far you can push that. If you could push it an hour into the day, two hours into the day, and start pushing it further and further to where you're able to have a big lunch, a big dinner, and um, yeah, like that, it's it's a very convenient way to eat as well. And when you're when you have a workout, you know, mm-hmm. on a day that you're fasting, do you still work out early in the morning? Yeah. Or okay, so what do you do after your workout to refuel your your muscles? Or do you do you just hold off on eating? Yeah, honestly, I'll hold off on eating. Um, so there's a few things around that, like. There have been some studies that have come out that I, I can't I can't really like cite them perfectly, but post workout fasting can lead to a whole host of benefits, um, and growth hormone can increase even more. So that was one of the cool things I had read about that. And then the other thing was that this post workout eating window is bigger than we thought. You know, it's 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 not the the uh, and I I don't want to mention that. I, I was going to diss, uh, <laughs> no, well, basically, basically like these protein companies that kind of tell you like 30 to 60 minutes right after your workout, chug mm-hmm. this shake. Like, it's not really that, like that anabolic window lasts longer, um, than people led on to, than the marketing guys led on to. So I'm not super concerned about, you know, that meal timing. Mm-hmm. To me, the important thing is, do I get in the protein for the day? Do I get in the calories for the day? Um, and for me, if I can do those in those two meals, then I'm set. I'm so changing right now. 
you know, you can't you can't physically see us right now, but I'm looking at William and he is he's jacked. He's he's good. So, you <laughs> no. know, um if if that's what he's doing, sign me up, count me in, you know? <laughs> One thing I'll say about training in the morning when you're fasted that has been hugely beneficial for me. Obviously, people like to do stimulants, things like that. I love to have black coffee in the morning, which is not an animal, so I'm not that kind of carnivore. That's like you know, never touch a plant again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I'll have a cup of black coffee in the morning. But um, doing salt as a pre-workout has been really, really helpful for me. Um, Stan Efforting has really cool stuff out about what that does for vasodilation and what that does for being able to get a pump and for performance in the gym. So I've been kind of using salt, this like salt and black coffee as a pre-workout. I don't combine them because that's disgusting. But um, <laughs> I'll, I'll usually do like in the morning, I'll do like a, a teaspoon of, you know, Himalayan pink salt or a Celtic sea salt, something high quality, and I'll just knock that back. And then I'll have the black coffee and then I'll go train. And you can feel it, like the difference in muscle contractions in being able to get a pump or just feeling solid when you're under the bar. Um, that's something that I've been noticing. So that's a fun little trick people can try. Interesting, man. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, you know what I love about what you do is that you don't just knock things away when you hear about them. It's mm-hmm. like you're curious and you're and you wonder about things. And this doesn't just go into working out nutrition, but you're like willing to try it out, like see how it feels and, and what and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that's so cool. And I want to acknowledge you for that. I, like Thank seriously, you, there's not a lot of people that, that, uh, try things out before they make a, a decision on them. And I just think that is so awesome. Well, <laughs> I, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. It's, it's just, um, like I'm a, I'm a continuous experiment, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's been going on for a long, long time. And I'm certain that I'll be experimenting until the day I die. Like I'll always be trying something new. Um, but the thing about that is some people, look at that and they're like, well, you know, I would prefer a more solid approach. I want somebody who says something and stands by it every single day. And it's like where I'm at currently is miles ahead of where I was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's why I promote the things that I'm doing because it is an infinitely better solution than what I was doing last year and the year before that and the year before that. Um, So I'm like, I try to be extremely authentic with my content um, and tell people, Hey, here's what I'm actually doing. Like, like when I told people I'm having a sweet potato at night and you know, it, it feels amazing in the gym the next day and it's helping me out with this bulk. Um, you know, you, you get the, you get the carnivore Bob or keto Susie and they're like, ah, screw you, man. <laughs> like <laughs> we thought you were on the team and it's like, look, I'm on the team of everybody achieving their goals. That's the team that I'm on. So, um, you know, don't don't make it an identity. Don't make your solution your identity. Your identity is becoming the best version of yourself. And if there's a solution to you there, awesome. Promote that. Um, but I'm I'm trying to tell people what I'm always doing. Mm-hmm. And that that goes back to I had this conversation with this guy recently at this event, and he was saying like, what I love about your content is that you're always showing like what you're actually doing, what you're actually trying. And I said, okay, so that's something I've been battling with, though, because I don't know if I should be like Mr. Carnivore and I stick by this all the time and I tell people, hey, this is the one thing I do and this works and this is great. I'm like, because that just feels disingenuous. Like, I try different things and I'm always trying different things. And he's like, yeah, don't do that, man. Like, honestly, that's not helpful to any of us. Like, there's plenty of people already doing that. He's like, you do what you're doing. Like, 
keep trying to push the forefront of what's working, of how to maximize, you know, cognitive performance, physical performance, all this stuff. You keep doing that and just be honest about what you're doing and it helps all of us out. And I'm like, okay. So that that felt like a weight off of me. I'm like, I don't have to be something that I'm not. I can just honestly tell people, hey, here's what I'm trying currently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think like that's that goes back to your moral compass, you know, your moral compass going along with the actions that you take every day, mm-hmm. right? Like it would be totally, like you said, disingenuous and inauthentic if, you know, you kept on pushing these things that you weren't doing, right? Yeah, like you you need to feel consistent within yourself Mm-hmm. with what you're doing and with what you're saying. And anytime you feel inconsistency, you need to correct that. Mm-hmm. Um, and by correcting that, you worry, like, who am I going to alienate? Who's going to hate me? Like, you know, what people am I going to lose from my life? And it doesn't, that doesn't really even happen. Like, and when it does happen, it was a necessary progression in your life a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if, if you are focused on continuously improving yourself and becoming the best version of yourself, then the people that you... The people that come into your life in the process are meant to be there, and you're building that tribe, and it's really organic. And the people that leave your life, um, sometimes that was meant to happen. So mm-hmm. now I, I know we're a little pressed for time, but I want to I want to get through just mm-hmm. a couple things. Yeah, um, you said the other thing that um, that is good to live by is like no vegetable oil, and then mm-hmm. I keep on messing this part sugar. up. Sugar. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yes, on the sugar, mm-hmm. vegetable oils. What's an alternative you can use? Like, what's something that you you're cooking your meat in, um, or like you're, you're you're cooking things in that is an alternative to vegetable oil? Yes. So the reason I cite vegetable oils and shout out to uh, Dr. Kate Shanahan and her book Deep Nutrition, which is fantastic read. Um, but they're just highly oxidative to the body. They're very very inflammatory to the body. Part of that has to do with the uh, omega sixes and these mm-hmm. pufas. So these really inflammatory oils. Um, for me, I think, you know, avocado oil is a great one. Uh, olive oil is a great one. But for me, I like to stick to animal fats. So I'll usually stick to a grass-fed butter or um, beef tallow or things like that that you can cook with. They can withstand higher heats. Um, but, you know, they're still going to give you a good omega-3 to omega-6 ratio. So that's going to help out with inflammation in the body, which is one of the leading causes of disease. Um, so th- that's kind of the way that I approach that. But what I do personally for my own body comp goals is I try not to cook my meats really in any fat. Um, I, I allow them to cook in their own fat. So I just use a nonstick pan. Mm-hmm. I might use just enough butter to grease the pan. Um, but I found cutting out added fats in my diet and simply sticking to whole food fats, whatever's already in the beef that I'm eating, the eggs that I'm eating, the seafood that I'm eating, um, that allows me to easier hit this whole ad lib satiety body comp goal of mine. Mm-hmm. Cause I like that. That's one of my things that, that people know on social media. Like I, I'm sick of tracking and I don't like it. And it's just, yeah. you know, it, it's an extremely valuable tool for so many people, but I'm just, I'm good with it. Like I, I'm like, what approach to eating can I follow when I'm 60 and 70, you know, like how can I simply pick a dietary template, a lifestyle template that will sustain me well into my old age that doesn't require my fitness pal or, you know, or, or yeah, like yeah. weighing, you know, cause that feels super counterintuitive to me. It's like a lion knows what they eat and they know how much to eat. And in the wild, they have ridiculous body comp. And mm-hmm. I'm like, how can I follow that sort of 
lion approach, you know? So that's my intuitiveness. That's something I've been trying to work on a lot. Right. Like bring out your inner lion. Yes. I love that, man. I love it. Um, Usually before we sign off, I always ask guests a couple questions here. Um, This might be deep. (laughs) My brain's working. Who are your mentors Mm. and who do you recommend following? Mm, Okay. That's a good question. Um, So who are my mentors? First one right off the bat is my mother. So I, I don't recommend following her, but it's, <laughs> it, it's my mother. And, and that's, um, you know, I, I go to her for all kinds of advice and she's been like a rock solid base in my life. So that's number one. Um, second mentor. Uh, yeah, it's funny enough. Arnold is one of them. And, and it's honestly just read total recall. It's an amazing book. And if you're not jazzed up and enthused about life and, and taking things on and taking challenges on, just read that book and it'll make you so excited to set goals and, and do things like that. Um, so he's been one of my mentors in my life. Um, Mark Bell has been a huge mentor for me, whether he knows it or not, he knows it now. Um, (laughs) he's been a huge mentor for me just for his ability to slowly build over time and to create something incredible. And now what he's got going on in Sacramento is like this, it's like an oasis, you know, that people come to, to be nourished by, um, his content and his podcast and, um, you know, his, his information around lifting, he went from like Mr. Meathead and people wanted to categorize him as like this power lifter. And he just showed people that you can be so much more than people want to uh, box you in as. So I'm, I'm extremely inspired by that. Um, my mentors are always changing too, though. It's, it's just like everything else. I, I cycle through everything and I try to get as much information as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so those are the ones that come to mind. I, I definitely recommend following him and his content. The Rock is awesome. He's an awesome <laughs> guy, but nobody needs to be told that. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, he had a post recently that I'll just shout out that really helped me where he goes into his gym and he's just doing a little story and then he shows what's up on his whiteboard and he said, um, I, I approach anything I do like everything I do with all I have. And he was talking about what that means to him. He said he realized early on in life that he didn't ever want to go halfway on anything. You know, so everything he does in life as a father, as a husband, as an actor, as a businessman, um, you know, as an entertainer, everything he does in life, he gives it everything he has. And, you know, if he's not able to give it that level of commitment, then he probably doesn't do it. So to me, that was really inspiring. Because uh-huh. I was like, yeah, like, w- why would you want to be an incredible businessman and a terrible father? You know, mm-hmm. you see a lot of people that make those trade-offs. And back in high school, you used to have the thing like social life, grades, and uh, what is it, sleep. And you can only pick two. And it's like, <laughs> it's not the case. You want to excel in every area of life. You don't want to be failing at one of those. So, um, yeah, he's very inspiring as well. But yeah, those are the heroes that come to mind. I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head. That's awesome, man. I appreciate you sharing that. Thank um, you, man. There's, There's... These, uh, I, I came up with this actually through another podcast. Mm-hmm. I asked someone this question and it was like, okay, these are the mentors, but this person isn't necessarily a mentor, but had a mentoring moment with, you know? Mm. So I would say like that, that rock situation, mm-hmm. having the, seeing that it's like a mentoring moment. And I yeah. feel like those are, those need to be appreciated and acknowledged as well. Yes. Um, the, the other thing I want to ask you is 
Um, you have found extraordinary through your life process. You've changed your thinking process through, you know, growth in life. What would you tell someone who is passionate about something or is trying to reach some type of goal and they're, they're young or they're just getting into the goal? What would you tell that person to do? Let's see. The, the first thing I would tell them is to change their inner dialogue and believe that they can actually achieve that goal. Um, so simply start with the belief that you can achieve that goal. Mm -hmm. And that can be as simple as getting in the gym and having something to be proud of. You know, every single day having something to be proud of. Something as small as that. But the way, the way that I really approached it, though, it just started with setting a goal, and everything else was determined from that. Mm -hmm. So setting the goal of becoming an actor determined me reading those books determined me training the way that I trained, determined what I ate. It determined um, a lot of the people that I met in my life, a lot of the experiences I've had. That simple decision has been this crazy journey that, that my life has gone on in these past couple of years because of setting that goal. So I would tell them very, very simply, um, just start with writing it down. Like just start mm -hmm. with writing that goal down and then just ask yourself, um, what would it take to accomplish this goal? What do I have to do to accomplish this goal? Break it down into some steps and then start simple, start now. Boom. That's it. You just start simple and start now. So what can I do today? If your goal is I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm 30, like, holy crap, where do you start with that? Well, start with something today. Okay, so today I'm going to go and get the book, The Millionaire Next Door, and I'm going to read five pages of it. That's something right there. That is, that is something that can start this snowball effect in your life that can change the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. So it starts as small as that. Um, so, so that's what I would recommend to them. Set that goal because it's not so much the attainment of the goal that ends up being the important thing, but it's who you become in that process. Um, you know, like if you decide that you want to squat 500 pounds – it's not so much squatting 500 pounds because what does that do for anyone? Nothing really, but it's the discipline that you learn in the process, the consistency that you learn in the process, the camaraderie that you build with other people that you train with in the process. Like goals basically give you a, they give you um, a destination in life and they give you somewhere to point this compass towards, you know, and, and if your life feels scattered and meaningless and you don't understand why you're doing things in life, um, that can lead to hopelessness and that can lead to depression and that can lead to uh, this just just a really, really bad feeling in life. So just pick a direction and start going towards that. And then if halfway you're like, oh, well, you know, why am I pursuing this goal? It's like, forget about it. It's, it's because of who you'll become in the process. Just keep working on it. So that's the very long-winded answer to a simple question. But a fucking great <laughs> answer. That was awesome. Um, okay, where can people find you? Um, so a, a lot of my content is on Instagram. So at William Schufelt, S-H-E-W-F-E-L-T, YouTube as well. So youtube.com slash Will Schufelt. My podcast is the Will to Win podcast. Um, and then also, can I shout out, like, can I plug my little Dude, things? plug everything okay. that you want, <laughs> okay. man. Um, so the book we were mentioning is The P.E. Diet. That came out today, Which literally out today. today. And Australia... We know that you've, you're having some difficulties, but it's coming out. <laughs> it's on its way, guys. Um, so, so that just came out. That is myself and Dr. Ted Naiman 
trying to simplify the whole world of dieting and, and exercise so that everybody can apply this stuff. So that's thepediet.com. You can check that out. It's on Kindle. It's on iBooks. Um, we have it as a PDF, and then hard copy is coming out in 2020. So that's the book. And then uh, I do my online coaching through primalbody.co. So if anybody wants to get started on a keto or a carnivore diet and they want to get set up with a meal plan and accountability um, and you know chatting with me daily and weekly towards their goals, they can always check that out at primalbody.co. Um, that's about all I got. <laughs> Dude, this was such an amazing conversation. Uh, I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Um, this this was was awesome, and, and I want to give a shout out to uh, Chase Tuning and Everforward Radio for uh, making this connection happen. So um, I'll tell you what, I cannot wait uh, down the road to do this again. We we need to do a follow up podcast. This was so great, man. Seriously, in, man. Thank, thank you, you so bro. much. Of course, man. Appreciate thank it. you. All right. Uh, hope you all have a great day, and you know, uh, till the next one. Signing off here. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to my podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. I hope I was able to provide some insight and some knowledge that will help you expand your mind and ultimately your life. Now, you've already done more than enough by listening to the podcast, but if you want to go above and beyond and really help me, you can subscribe to my podcast and rate it on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or whatever your favorite streaming platform is for podcasts. This will ultimately help me grow, and that's what we're all about here. So I am really looking forward to the next time that I get to spend time with you on the podcast. And until then, stay extraordinary.